I shall read to you from the Tree of Life version. It says, The spirit of Adonai Elohim is on me, because Adonai has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of Adonai's favor, and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of Adonai, that he may be glorified. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore former desolations. They will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers will stand and shepherd your flocks. Children of foreigners will be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you will be called the Kohonim of Adonai. They will speak of you as the ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of nations and boast in their abundance. It's a blessing to have Ira uh, Brower, Rabbi Ira, come and uh, share the word with us. He was here last year this time, and uh, um, they pioneered a uh, Messianic congregation in the mouth of the rat in uh, Boca Raton in uh, Florida, and uh, now they are engaged in a different ministry that he will share. Let's take a moment to pray. Thank you, Lord, that you have a call and a destiny for each one of us. Thank you, Lord, that you call us and you gift us with special spiritual gifts from your Ruach, your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done in Ira and Gloria's life and their family. All these years, Lord, you've been faithful to them, blessed them with much fruit. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us ears to hear what it is that you want to say to us this morning and anoint our brother, Lord, to proclaim your word boldly in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Shabbat shalom. And uh, it's so good to be here with you all. I want to introduce my wife, Gloria, which already was introduced, but also want to introduce uh, two of our three daughters, uh, Sammy Colson, who lives up in Estes Park, and Mika Brower, who lives in Estes Park also. So we've spent the last couple of days, let me take this off, is that all right? And uh, we've been enjoying our time. We just got into town, um, well, late Wednesday night, actually it was Thursday morning, thanks to Frontier Airlines. But uh, anyway, we won't go there too far. And um, been here for a couple of days, and then we're going up to Estes. And altogether, we'll be in uh, Colorado about three weeks. So we're uh, we're excited to be back here. Uh, we met and married up in Estes Park, where we lived um, about 32 years ago. And shortly after that, um, came down here, not here, here, but in Denver, and met this guy and his, well, she wasn't his wife yet, but um, anyway, and um, came to faith on Yom Kippur as a result of attending a messianic service, yeah, 30, 
plus one years ago, I guess, or two years ago. Thank you, Lord. <coughs> you have to uh, bear with me a little bit. I brought a uh, uh, upper respiratory uh, thing with me from Florida. Terrible thing that we did. So I'm sorry about that. But um, what I want to share with you, well, I want to get the commercial uh, out of the way first. So as uh, Chaim mentioned, um, Gloria and I left uh, Colorado in 1990, and we went to South Florida and started a Messianic congregation, which we led uh, for 24-plus years up until September 20th of last year, and uh, at which time we transitioned and turned the congregation over to um, a younger couple that we've been training and raising up for a number of years, and um, they're doing a great job. We're still in the congregation. I'm still an elder, uh, but my wife and I, Gloria and I, have ministry called Heritage House, and uh, for those of you that were here last year, you may remember, we talked about that. We were just sort of getting it off the ground, and now this is what we do full-time, uh, and we do uh, ministry um, uh, in congregations and churches uh, for healing and deliverance. Uh, we've been trained in a ministry called Restoring the Foundations, RTF, which we have just just seen amazing fruit from. Um, just, you know, we're just trying to be obedient vessels of the Lord and allow Him to work through us uh, to touch the lives of others. So one of the things that we do is we do uh, workshops, Introduction to Healing and Deliverance. We did one last year. How many of you attended that workshop that we did at Beth Avram? A few of you did. Well, now you have those of you that didn't attend have the opportunity to... Uh, Join us again. I'd like to encourage you, if you're available, uh, we'll be uh, leading that workshop on uh, June 11th uh, through the 13th. So that's a Thursday night. I think we start at um, seven or 6:30. I'm not sure. Uh, Thursday night, Friday night, and then two sessions uh, Saturday afternoon. Um, and so it's four four sessions altogether. And I think we'll finish about uh, nine o'clock on Saturday night. And uh, it's an introduction to healing and deliverance using uh, what we call integrated approach, RTF, integrated approach. And the reason it's called integrated is because it integrates four important areas, which I'll mention briefly, and then I'm going to get into the word. Um, so the four areas that we address are sins of the fathers and resulting curses and how our family uh, sin patterns are affect how they affect us, our parents, grandparents, so forth and how we're uh, living those things out. And we, we talk about that, we teach on it, and then we minister um, and break those things, those curses that we inadvertently walk in unknowingly. And then the second area that we deal with is called the ungodly beliefs, which are the lies that we believe about ourselves, about God, and about others. And then the third area is uh, soul-spirit hurts, which are dealing with the wounds of our life, the things that were done to us, that shouldn't have been done, or the things that we should have received that we didn't, like love and nurture and so forth. And then the fourth area that we deal with is called demonic oppression, DO. Oftentimes in healing or deliverance ministry, people just want to go after the demonic. And uh, we, what we've learned in uh, going through training and, and ministering in, in RTF is that the three areas that we deal with first are the open doors, legal entry points of the enemy that he has to come and give us all kinds of fits and problems. And until we deal with the legal entry points, 
uh, the sins of the fathers, the ungodly beliefs, and the um, wounds of the past, um, then the enemy continues to have the right to uh, harass us. But we find that once we deal with those three areas first, then um, the uh, demonic uh, is easy to get, get rid of. So if you would like to know more, I encourage you, uh, we'll be around afterwards to answer any of the questions that you may have about it. And uh, really want to encourage you to attend. And I think there will be some flyers available at some point. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. But uh, anyway, um, yes, so we want to invite you to attend. Okay, so that's the, uh, that's the commercial. Well, the video that we saw, which I didn't know that was going to be shown, is uh, really a good segue into uh, the message that I want to share this morning, where I feel the Lord's laid on my heart. Um, those guys, by the way, the, the, although they're not believers, I, I'm familiar with them, um, those two guys. I mean, I don't know them personally, but um, they're doing some great work. One of them uh, actually ran for the Knesset. And, uh, you know, they're as, as what we could say messianic as you could get without being believing in Yeshua. Um, and so I really appreciate the work that they're doing in that video. I haven't seen that video before, but it was really good. And really it's all about restoration, isn't it? in God's restoration for Israel. And I want to talk about a little bit about uh, God's purposes for Israel and then how uh, it relates to us personally uh, in our own lives. And the scripture that was read from Isaiah 61 is probably one that you are uh, familiar with, right? Uh, we know that in Luke chapter 4, uh, when Yeshua came into that synagogue in Nazareth on Shabbat and he took the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he turned to this uh, passage now, in, in, Isaiah, in Luke, it only references those first few verses. Um, but most likely, he read, you know, more than that, more than, than what's actually uh, recorded uh, in the book. And it's all about Israel's restoration to God's identity. And that's really what I want to talk about, is about identity. You know, the enemy uh, comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? Uh, John 10.10, but Yeshua came that we might have what? Life and have it more abundantly. And oftentimes we don't have that abundant life because we have allowed the enemy to do exactly what the enemy does, which is to kill, steal, and destroy, and to lie, and to get us to believe his lies. And one of the major areas that he uh, steals and lies to us about is our identity, who we are in God, who we are in Messiah. And we know that we are new creation, we're, we're uh, redeemed and so forth, but so often we don't really, really, really believe in our inner heart, in our inner being, uh, the true identity of who we are. And um, one of the areas that... Um, we, we uh, work with a lot in when we do healing ministry is the area of shame, the area of shame. And shame is an interesting thing. Shame uh, is about what we believe about ourselves. And shame enters in uh, to our lives oftentimes in ways that we don't even realize. Uh, oftentimes it comes into our lives uh, in childhood, uh, things that were done to us, uh, abuse, abandonment, things like that. And uh, we take on a shame-based identity, and that's exactly what the enemy uh, wants us uh, to do. 
And in the text on Isaiah, um, in chapter 61, it's really all about God's restoring Israel's true identity and taking away her shame-based identity. So let's talk about Israel for, for a minute, and then we'll come back to how, how it affects us personally. So what was the identity that God initially gave to Israel? And if we, if we look back, you don't have to turn there, but in Exodus chapter 4, verse 21, God speaks Israel's identity directly, and he says, Israel is my firstborn son. Okay, it's kind of an obscure verse. You might not really uh, remember it, but you can, you can look it up. You can check me on it. Uh, but God says through Moses to Pharaoh, or he's instructing Moses to tell Pharaoh to let my son go, my firstborn son. Wow, Israel's God's firstborn son. Well, firstborn son in the ancient uh, Middle East had uh, great significance because firstborn son was the inheritor of the double inheritance, the double portion, right? Are you with me? All right, so Israel is God's firstborn son. And then later in Exodus chapter 19, um, there's more of Israel's identity. And after all, if God says that's who Israel is, if God says this is who we are, uh, then that's who we are, right? Amen? Yeah, all right. Sometimes it helps. So I know you're awake, right, to get some, yes, yes, we're with you, Brother Ira. All right, so, um, so, so God spoke through Moses in Exodus 19, and he said to Israel that, what, you are my treasured possession. Okay, so that's an identity marker, treasured possession. That's pretty cool. And then he also says that you are a Kingdom of what? Priests. Whoa. That's a pretty heavy-duty identity marker also, right? Kingdom of priests. And what else did he say about them after that? And you shall be a holy nation. Pretty powerful, right? That's who Israel was called to be. That's Israel's identity. But what happened? What happened? Did we actually become that? Not really. Not really so much, right? So we come into the land, and God warned us, when we go into the land, you know, there's all these people around there, and they worship all these idols, and you're not to worship them. In fact, you are to be, through your life and through your testimony, all the nations of the earth shall come to that light, even as we saw in that video, that Israel was called to be a what? Light unto the nations, another identity marker, another marker of destiny and calling and inheritance, inheritance in the land. Now we're seeing after 2,000 plus years, we're coming back into the land. But when Israel was called to be that, um, we've never been all that we were called to be as a nation. We are yet to be those people. We are yet to be the fullness of the light unto the nations, the holy people, the uh, kingdom of priests, God's true firstborn son. But Isaiah here speaks of a day when that's going to happen. Um, in uh, verse 7, or verse, verse 6, he says, But you will be called the Kohanim of Adonai, the priestly nation, right? This is a future 
uh, promise that God, through the prophet, is writing at a time when he's getting ready to bring the hammer down, right? He's getting ready to bring judgment upon Israel because of her disobedience, because of the rebellion. And he, he says, you know, uh, throughout the, 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 the prophets, really, that you're going to be cast out into the nations, and there you will bear the reproach. There you will bear the false identity, if you will, of, of exiles, of persecuted ones, of rejected ones. Why? Because we, we disobeyed, because we rebelled. And so for 2,000 years, we have taken on this false identity of exiles as those that are persecuted, uh, of uh, of those that are rejected by God. And we've been a reproach among the nations. I recently read uh, this book. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's called Jewish Pirates of the Caribbean. Anyone ever heard of it? Well, I recommend it. It's an historical book. It's not like a spoof or anything like that. It's a historical book, and what it documents is um, the Jewish people, specifically uh, the Sephardim of Spain and Portugal, from the time of the uh, Inquisition up until about the uh, 18th century. And it chronicles how how many of them engaged in um, international commerce, and it was all about uh, preserving the people. It was all about self-preservation. So they became what they had to become in order to preserve uh, 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 the people, not only for themselves, their families, but for others. So whether it was, uh, you know, on the African coast or whether it was in the Caribbean or whether it was in um, South America. <coughs> Excuse me. We find, if you read this book, it's very, very interesting because it shows how, how, um, how uh, entrepreneurial, that's the word I'm looking for, our people have always been. We, we know about sort of that today, right? But even back then and how they um, uh, engaged in commerce and how they engaged in um, you know, helping the enemies of Spain and Portugal like Holland and England, and how they helped commandeer and uh, pirate the ships, uh, and 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 you know take off with cargo, and and then and then engage in all this commerce. And why is that important? Well, because this idea of the shame that we've carried as exiles and the shame that we've carried uh, as a persecuted people has had its effects on us, and the necessity of having to survive. Uh, throughout all this uh, as, as part of our false identity. But here, back to the text. Sorry, I got off on a little tangent there. Um, they will speak to you as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of nations and boast in their abundance. Verse 7, this is key. Instead of your shame, double portion. What's the double portion? Double portion is the inheritance of the firstborn son. See, God is going to restore everything that Israel was called to be, including uh, the, the, uh, the firstborn son. Instead of disgrace, they will sing for joy. Therefore, in their land, they, were inhal- they will inherit a double portion. They will have 
everlasting joy. Amen? So this is Israel. This is the picture that we see um, of God's restoration. And then just one other passage, Isaiah 54, verse 4. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed, nor cringe, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will remember the reproach of your widowhood no more. For your maker is your husband. Adonai Tzavaot is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He will be called the God of all the earth. God's going to restore all of Israel, and God is going and is restoring all of us. And the reason, you know, this passage is so significant because as Yeshua announced this passage or read this passage in the, script, in the, in the synagogue on Shabbat in Nazareth on that Shabbat day, he applied that to himself, didn't he? He said that, uh, quoting, the spirit of Adonai Elohim is upon me because Adonai has anointed me to proclaim or to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison of those who are bound. You see, the good news is more than praying a prayer and having a, you know, knowing you're going to heaven when you die. The good news is right here. The good news is Yeshua bursting forth on the earth and announcing that the good news for the poor in spirit, for the poor, uh, which is all of us, right? Apart from knowledge of God, apart from uh, 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 the love of God, we're all poor in spirit. We all have broken hearts because we live in a broken world. And we're all subject to the brokenness of this world. But Yeshua comes and he says, look, I've got good news. I've got good news. The kingdom of God is breaking forth on the earth. And part of the kingdom of God and the, and the blessing of the kingdom coming forth is restoration of the brokenness. It's taking away the shame and, and replacing it with joy and replacing it with wholeness and replacing it with healing. By the way, what is shame? What is shame? Well, one of the definitions that we use is shame is the feeling that something is wrong with me. Shame is the, the, the sense that, that I'm flawed, and I'm hopelessly flawed. And so because I am flawed, I have to protect myself from being uncovered or from being discovered. And so I'll protect myself by however means I need to. But God says, no, I'm going to take away your shame. I'm going to take away your shame. And instead, I'm going to give you a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will sing for joy. Instead of uh, the, the ashes, right, I'm going to give you praise. Amen. God's promise of restoration is really throughout the Tanakh. And what we're reading here is one of the most powerful ones. And he wants to give us that double portion as individuals. We are all sons and daughters. We, sons is not a, is, is not a gender uh, you know, statement, but in case that bothers you as a female, then we'll say sons and daughters of the Most High God, right? We all have a double inheritance. And you say, how can that be? There's only one double inheritance. No, because the inheritance of God is eternal and unlimited. 
So we are all sons of the uh, uh, firstborn sons of the Most High God. The book of Hebrews says we have come to the assembly of the firstborn. We are all inheritors of the double portion of God's blessing. The question is, though, do we walk in it? Do we really believe that we are the redeemed of God? Do we really live our lives out of that truth, or do we live still in those shame-based, ungodly beliefs and ungodly uh, identities uh, that were worthless, that were hopeless, that were no good, that were a failure, that we can never uh, be all that God has called us to be, that God loves others more than he loves us. We walk, a lot of us walk in a lot of shame. I know I did. I know I did. When I was 11 years old, I'll share just a little bit of some of the background. When we do our workshops, by the way, we share a lot about our personal stories because we all have we all have a story. We all have stuff that we've come out of and a lot of times that we're still in because the hurts of the past are never in the past until they're healed. doesn't matter if it was a month ago, you know, five years ago or 50 years ago. They're still there. They're never in the past until they're healed. And what we say is talking doesn't heal, only Yeshua heals. So when I was 11 years old, um, my parents, both of my parents were uh, uh, immigrants from Europe, uh, escaped, you know, Germany and Austria before, well, actually Hitler was already in power, but by God's grace they were able to escape. And I grew up in a time, you know, right after the Holocaust, uh, where there's, you know, the, the shadow of it was there. And even though it was in New York, there was a lot of, you know, just this sense of, well, you know, the Christians are, you know, still hate us, so we got to be really careful and that kind of thing. And uh, anyway, when I was 11 years old, my parents got a divorce. Uh, it was a very rocky marriage. And uh, I was attending a yeshiva, Orthodox uh, yeshiva. We attended an Orthodox shul. And back in those days, uh, divorce in the Orthodox community was not much heard of. And it was very shameful. And I tried to just keep it quiet, okay? And and, um, you know, through the, all the conflict and, and all pain, that all that, I did not realize for many years after that how much the shame of that divorce affected my life. And I carried that around with me. And, and you know, at some level, um, it wasn't just that um, my parents were divorced, uh, but it was this whole idea of being in this Jewish world where that was unheard of, where that was... Uh, just not done, and I carried that around with me and uh, until the Lord really healed me of that. And um, there were a lot of other things that surrounded my parents' divorce that affected me in my life for many years after that. And, uh, you know, um, there's probably quite a few of you here that are product of divorce. That's just one area that sometimes we carry uh, shame about. And and, you know, going back to Israel and the Jewish people, I think there's a certain sense of shame. I know I had it uh, just growing up as a Jew, uh, being in fear of persecution, being fear of, uh, you know, well, this is what the Christians did to us, and they could uh, do that to us again. Uh, and I love going to Israel 
because I've noticed, and, and I, it didn't really dawn on me until, until we began to really get into this whole area of healing and whole area of getting free of the shame of the past. And uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, those of you have been, been to Israel, and I'm sure the time you know this, Israeli Jews are a lot different than Jews in the diaspora. Jews in the diaspora carry this certain sense of, you know, uh, uh, shame, I think, that we carry. But Jews in Israel don't have that so much. Why? It's because they are living the fulfillment of this prophecy and many others, where God took away the shame, where God brought them back into the, not in the fullness, because we know the fullness won't happen until they all acknowledge uh, Yeshua. But there's a certain sense of that uh, inheritance now that they're living in, and that we in the diaspora don't have that. We long for it. We desire for it. But there's that difference. In fact, uh, I, I, I don't know how many of you know Jackie Mason's uh, comedy, but he even jokes about that. You know, there's something that happens when the Jew goes back to Israel. They become these fierce fighters, you know, instead of uh, cowering, you know, uh, walking around in the city and being afraid of being jumped on by hoodlums, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, it's tr- there's a truth to that. And it's because God is fulfilling this promise of instead of your shame, I'll give you a double portion. Amen. And we know that one day all of Israel will will fully, we all, uh, those of us that are Jewish, will all fully come into that place of double portion, of recognizing our true identity and who has God called us to be. Amen. When, when we recognize fully our Messiah, our Messiah. You know, Yeshua came, uh, and he, he came to uh, restore that sonship of Israel back to himself. Because even in John, the beginning, where, where it says that, uh, you know, he came to his own, right? But his own didn't know him. But to many, to as many that did know him, he gave what? To be what? To be the sons of God. Wow. The sons of God, to those that received him, he gave to be that place of double portion, that place of inheritance. And, and, and unfortunately, as a nation, we rejected him. And he knew that, right? God knew that was going to happen. But yet he came to restore and to bring back that identity to Israel as a firstborn son. And he came to give us the fullness of our identity as well. So I have a slide. Who's running the slides? Over here. And I'll, I'd just like you to take a look at this, just to, by way of getting it to a practical place. We're just going to give you a, the few minutes that we have left. Are we okay for a few more minutes? Okay. I want to give, give you just a little practical application of what we do in our, in our workshops. And... You know, most of us would say, "Do you walk?" Uh, if I asked you, "Are you walking in a false identity?" And, and most of us would say, "No, I know that I'm a son of the King. I know that I'm new creation, and so forth." But what we, when we talk about truth versus lies, we talk about the fact that what, uh, when you know, you can know when a person is uh, believing the truth by what they do, not what they say. Because we can quote scripture all day long, and we can tell, I can tell you what I believe, 
but my behavior will tell you what I really believe. It's the difference between truth versus facts. Um, so one of the things that we talk about a lot is about our identity, uh, common false identity and godly identity. So on the left, there's two uh, major columns, and each has two columns. So you can see their false identity, godly identity, false identity, godly identity. So look over that list there of false identities, abandoned, bad, basket case, a burden, condemned. Um, there's a lot of them there. I know I had a few of them. Didn't realize it. You know, you see uh, false identity, uh, shameful. In other words, uh, I am. These are I am's. I am uh, a burden. I am dumb. I am a failure. I am guilty. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, uh, have believed those things? How do we get to believe those things? Oftentimes, they're spoken over us by people in authority, parents, teachers, uh, coaches, I don't know. Some of them we've just picked up. Maybe other kids have spoken that over us at one time or another. I'm stupid. Okay, I'm unwanted. Oftentimes people that uh, are adopted, you know, have somehow grown up with that lie that they're unwanted or I'm useless or I'm worthless. So what we what we what I would like to encourage you to do at this moment, if you would take out a little piece of paper, maybe in a pen, you don't have to, but if you'd like to participate, and we want to just minister a little bit. And if you identify with any of these false identities, just jot them down. You're not going to share them with anyone if you don't want to. Not going to have you pass them up or anything like that. And just take a few moments before the Lord. Ask the Lord to show you what are some of the false identities that you have lived your life out of that have caused you shame, that have caused you hurt, embarrassment, that you try to cover up so that no one knows. See, shame is invisible. We don't see I can't see your shame. You can't see mine. But I can see uh, the evidence of it, which may be anger, which may be, uh, you know, withdrawal, uh, which may be other ways that we use to cover uh, our shame. Okay, those are, uh, we call them control, actually. You know, control is not just someone who's very aggressive or, you know, passive. I, that was kind of my thing is passivity, you know. Uh, I didn't want to have conflict because I grew up with a lot of conflict, so that was my thing. Avoid conflict because conflict is bad, okay? So avoid it at all costs. Well, guess what? Conflict has a way of coming back around even if you try to avoid it, right? So I had to learn that conflict is not bad. You just have to address it and deal with it, uh, but it's not to be feared, but we have shame from lots of different things. Sex, sexual abuse can create a lot of shame. Verbal abuse, anger, all those things that were maybe done to us. Abandonment where we didn't get what we should have gotten. So they'll create those things, those events in our life will create a certain uh, set of lies. You know, 
that are, this is what these are. Basically, false identities are lies that we believe about ourselves or about God or about others. So take a moment, look over the list, maybe jot down a couple, and then I'm going to lead you in a short prayer of breaking agreement with the lies. See, the enemy is the author of lies, right? That's what he is. And when we agree with lies, then we're making agreement with the enemy. We don't intend to. You know, we don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, how can I agree with the enemy's lies today? No, these are things that we've been living with uh, for oftentimes our whole lives and not realizing it. And they restrict our growth. They keep us from our true identity. Just like when we read about Israel's shame, okay, that's not who we were created to be as a people. We weren't created to be uh, a shame-based people, uh, you know, persecuted and caring the reproach. No, we were created to be the firstborn son walking in that double portion. Well, we as believers now in Yeshua, God created us and brought us into his kingdom, not so that we would continue to walk in the old ways, not so we continue to walk in that shame. But see, these things, we bring them with us into the kingdom. We don't automatically get free of all this the day we come to faith, just like anything else. We grow in our belief. That's sanctification is our growth in our understanding and our transformation to be more like Yeshua. This is part of the transformation is getting free of the lies. Romans 12.2 talks about that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. What, what is that about? Well, we get transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we no longer believe the lies, but now through the transformation process, we start to believe the truth of who God says we are. God says that we're adopted, that we're righteous, that we're sure, we're a blessing, and so on and so on and so on, that we're an overcomer, that we're forgiven, that we're legitimate, that we're uh, quite able, and so on. God these are our godly identities that God has given to us. Amen? All right. So, Abba, in Yeshua's name, we thank you that you have given us the truth in your word. For each of us, even as you spoke the truth back here in Isaiah 61 about taking away our shame as a nation, but also applies to us as individuals, that you would take away our shame and that you would give us that double portion and that you would speak your truth over us. And so right now, Lord, we come before you as a, as a people, as a community, as a congregation, and we, and we acknowledge uh, and, and confess to you, Lord, that we have made agreement with the enemy in so many ways in our lives by believing his lies about who you, about, about ourselves and about you, God, and about others. And we believe those lies and we've lived our lives out of them. So forgive us, Abba. Forgive us, Lord, for believing these lies. Thank you, Lord. And so I'd like you, if you want to participate, to break the lies of any of these uh, false identities. It's very simple. I ask you to repeat after me. I renounce and break agreement 
with the lie that I am, and then fill in the blank with any of those that you jot down or that you know apply to you. I renounce and break agreement with the lie that I am abandoned, or I am bad, or I am damaged, or I am defeated, or I am illegitimate, or I am a loser, or I am a mistake, or any, whatever they are, just begin to break agreement with those lies and break agreement with the shame that comes from believing those lies. Thank you, Lord. And then the second part is simply this, if you want to re repeat after me. I receive God's truth that says that I am, and then just either have Lord, show you what it is directly. It doesn't have to be off this list. But what is it that he says about you? It could be from this list, but it doesn't have to be. God says that you are adopted, that you are righteous, that you are sure, that you are a blessing, that you are victorious, that you are an overcomer, that you are highly favored, that you are highly capable, that you are valued, that you are lovable, that you're desired, that you are helpful, that you are costly. Whatever it is, just receive his truth about who he says that you are. And then, Lord, I choose to accept these truths about myself. I have a God-given identity. I am a new creation by God's design according to His Word. And I am complete in Him. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought me to the assembly of the firstborn. And then I have an inheritance, a double portion, both here and now, and in the kingdom to come. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. Thank you, Ira. You know, from the beginning of uh, Yeshua Tzion, we had a sense that God wanted us to be a healing place. And, um, and we have been seeking God for that to take place, for health and wholeness to be displayed in each of our lives. Um, but as Ira pointed out, and by the way, everything that you saw on the board is not the product of his rich imagination. It comes from the Word of God.
um, we're going to, in just a moment, um, we're going to stand and, and uh, give everybody an opportunity to respond in your seats or to come up and pray with us. But um, I want to encourage you to mob Ira and Gloria after the service. Uh, we wholeheartedly support their ministry. Um, it's, it is very much in line with what God has given us as a congregational mishpacha uh, to promote wholeness uh, that Yeshua provides for us. He came to set us free. And it requires holy chutzpah on our part to say, yes, God, I know and I accept the freedom that you have for me.